1: BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search
2: BT's got your back. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk.
3: Welcome to the Times Opinion Podcast. My name is Tim Montgomery, and this week I'm joined by columnists Jenny Russell, Rachel Sylvester and Matthew Paris. And we thought we'd kick off this very exciting general election year, and I'm sure you're as excited as we are um, with a special look forward to the politics of the coming year. And this is potentially going to be a coughtastic edition of the Opinion Podcast, because three of us have colds, um, but we are going to endeavour to fight through some questions that i've set exact, political exam questions i've set for our panelists about the election to come and matthew can i start with you we are told i think just about every general election that this is the most exciting the most important general election in a generation
2: all the politicians are saying it again now are they right this time no they're wrong uh, i don't think it is a Important general election in the sense that there isn't really a huge amount of difference between the major parties on what they say we need to do. That there isn't a, a vast ideological divide. We could take our views about the likelihood of Labour to do what it promises or the competence of the Conservatives to hold things together, but that's about the level that the debate is at. We're not going to have any big ideological questions uh, during this election campaign. And whoever wins, I imagine the country will continue along the same rather bumpy road. So you don't
3: buy the argument that Ed Miliband is the most left-wing Labour leader in a generation and the George Osborne plan to reduce the size of the state to the size of the
2: 1930s is, is a very real divide? Oh, I'm a Marxist. Uh, Enormous forces will... will (laughs) That's the confession
3: of 2015 (laughs) so far.
2: Enormous forces will constrain Ed Miliband or any prime minister. It doesn't matter whether Ed Miliband wants to be left-wing or right-wing. There are much bigger forces than that, economic forces, public opinion and all the rest. As François Hollande found out in France. Yes, in the end, everyone is forced into the same rather narrow tunnel. We're almost making the argument this election doesn't matter, but maybe
3: we'll come back to that. Rachel, are you... um, on Matthew's side on the importance well, of this you election? Said, you
0: said, was it going to be exciting or important? And I think it is going to be exciting because there's an unpredictability to the smaller parties and what happens there. So the, the, these days, these just two big parties have gone and now UKIP, the Greens the SNP are throwing all these small spanners in the works Mm. and we don't know, the exciting the interesting thing is, is that going to collapse? And I think it will a bit, but to what extent does the churn between all these smaller parties make this very unpredictable? And I think also adds an element of a sort of culture war to the election that we haven't always seen. I I thought it was very interesting when all the parties came out of the blocks very fast this week after Christmas, they were all doing very sort of traditional, old-fashioned. You know, very my, formulaic. My dossier yeah. versus yeah. your dossier. You know, it was back to 92 really, not even 2010. Mm. Um, replaying this kind of old style of political campaigning. Cause we, cause and report- actually, you've got these m- different. Um, you've got these different forces about what sort of country do people want? Do they feel happy with immigration? Do they want a more environmentally friendly country? The sort of Scottish nationalism. And I think they're slightly, you know, they're, they're missing the point in a way.
3: So, Rachel, in your column in Tuesday's newspaper, though, one of your points, though, I think, is that none of the parties is capturing the optimistic, Clintonian, Blairite politics of the past, I think, in in your opinion. It's all quite narrow-minded, quite pessimistic.
0: Are yes, you- it's, I think... I, I, I was trying to say that they're kind of exchanging all these facts and actually people want a sort of sense of fables and what are you going to do to make the country a sort of better place? What's your sort of... I mean, vision is a bit of a cliché, but what, what are you going to do to make this country change? And a, a cultural as well as a, just a sort of, you know dossier black propaganda exchange do you
3: you sense the hand of linton crosby here partly because one of the debates when boris johnson last stood for the mayoralty was do you remember boris had a nine point plan that i don't think even boris could remember (laughs) what it was and apparently especially
4: boris couldn't (laughs)
3: remember and, and gita harry wanted the more sort of olympian london is the greatest city on earth vision and actually what they went for was the crosby sort of you know safety first this is the sort of that seems to perhaps be perhaps his influence on yeah. it, at least the Tory campaign.
0: Yeah, I talked to somebody at Downing Street yesterday who said, you know, people talk say the re- wheel's been reinvented and politics is all different, but it isn't. In the end, people will vote on who's going to make them better off. Yeah. Uh, and they may be right about that, but it makes for a slightly depressing election campaign.
3: J- Jenny Russell, your answer to the question, is this election more important than ending in a generation, or are we getting the usual guff? from the politicians.
4: Actually, no, I do think it's really important and I think it's important because I think that Labour and the Tories do have fundamentally different ideas about what they want to do with society. And, and you don't
3: you don't agree with what Matthew said, that they may have the different ideas, but they'll be pulled back by economic gravity, the gravity of the markets.
4: I think Matthew is absolutely right that they are very constrained. Nevertheless, within that, you can choose to do things that either emphasise the well-being of the very well-off or that emphasise the well-being of people who are further down the pile. And I think it's much too easy to feel when you're sitting in London and you're a prosperous middle-class professional and the people you know are largely in that group as well. Quite how difficult life is for people at the bottom now and people outside London and people who can't find full-time work and people who are affected by the bedroom tax and by the cuts in welfare and by the freezing of tax credits and all those sorts of minor changes are actually slicing away at people's ability to manage their lives. And I think it's actually critical um, who wins this election in terms of which direction Britain goes in. Also, as somebody who's fundamentally a Labour supporter, I think that what's happened to the economy over the past few years has been a, a mistake. I think that George Osborne froze the recovery by going into deficit reduction, therefore starving the economy of the investment it needed to um, to grow, and that the Keynesian economic stimulus would have been the right way to go. And I think that if we get more, the Tories doing more of the same, then I think we're going to have a very shaky economy and a lot of people being poorer than they need be. The, so other, the other part of that too is that I think it actually matters very much how unstable this election result is likely to be. Because if lots of people vote for the little parties, there's going to be so much horse trading, it's not going to be at all Mm. clear what policies the parties are going to be able to implement because they're going to have red lines which are incompatible with whoever they are are wanting to go into alliance with. So I actually think that um, the political future looks
3: very uncertain. Uh, And what do you think, um, Rachel Sylvester, about... The parties answering questions about what they would do in the event of a hung parliament. Michael Gove was on Newsnight on Monday night and he said, We're not even contemplating the idea of a hung parliament. We haven't any strategy or tactics or plan B for that eventuality. I didn't believe a word <laughs> of, of that. I can understand why he doesn't necessarily want to get into that conversation, but there must be a better way of them handling mm. that question.
0: Yes, I mean I, I think it's inevitable. They all have to pretend that they're going to win an overall majority and it's all going to be triumphant. But in reality, behind the scenes, all the parties must and should be thinking about where what they could do as a deal, who, what negotiations they would have. The problem for Labour in 2010 was that they were so ill-prepared, they didn't know exactly what their negotiating position well, was. well they
3: expected the Tories to win didn't they well, And they I were surprised so we then ended then up with yeah a hung but parliament. actually
0: it's it's foolish not to have something prepared the question is how I mean it will be all the media want to know is what's your red line on x or y hmm. and it, the dangers we're going to end up with this sort of you know stalemate with us cons- constantly asking that and them refusing to even admit there are any red lines and it yeah. could get very frustrating
2: but that's the reason why my Michael Gove Refuses even to engage with the question the moment. They do engage with it. They will have us uh, Bargaining with them over red lines, and there'll be no end to it So I don't think there's any answer that Michael Gove can give but the one he did give Uh, And I agree with you that they should be thinking about coalition, but I think they almost certainly are thinking about coalition Jenny rightly Mm. rebukes me (laughs) <laughs> on this score at least that if this election does lead to complete chaos and an inability to form a stable government that really would be important.
0: What I think is interesting is all the party or well, both Labour and the Conservatives particularly Conservatives are talking more and more about preferring a minority administration to going into coalition and you talk to people at Downing Street and they say Cameron just doesn't want a repeat of this kind of uh, lib Tory coalition um, and he'd prefer to sort of go it alone and have the Try does, and does he run prefer a, that,
3: or is that more because his parliamentary party wouldn't let him have another? Well,
0: deal? somebody I spoke to said he would prefer now to really? go to minority mm. than a shared government, and I think there's a danger with that, looking, you know, sort of too tribal and too looking behind their backs at their backbenchers, as you say, and at the party, rather than thinking about what's best for the country. And actually, I think a lot of people feel the coalition, you know, for all its flaws and faults, has worked reasonably well. Um, and, and if I know someone start around this table who'd
3: quite prefer a conservative-liberal coalition to a conservative-majority.
2: Oh, absolutely. Government. Isn't yeah,
3: I right, know. Matthew? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
2: don't want the Tories <laughs> to get into bed with those right-wing elements that you're, <laughs> that you're always <laughs> <laughs> cautiously recommending to me, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, I'm liberal, I'm the Lib Dems could save a conservative government.
3: You'd rather Nick Clegg and david laws was there rather than peter bone and of course i uh, would deciding (laughs) and in your saner
2: moments tim so would you
3: (laughs) um russell in terms of this chaos that you predict of course this is one of the Tories' principal messages choose the conservatives or choose chaos but if there is a sort of a hung palm with lots of minor parties playing a big role who out of the Scottish Nationalists, the United Kingdom Independence Party and even, of course, the Lib Dems, we mustn't forget the Lib Dems, who do you think might be the one that really figures prominently in that scenario?
4: Well, if we look at what the polls are telling us at the moment, then although UKIP is going to be a very disruptive force in the election campaign, it's highly unlikely that they'll end up with more than on the most optimistic um, Estimates, if they got 12, it would be an absolute that seems to miracle. Be the high end
3: of expectations. Yes,
4: and some so. people say eight would be a good result and five is quite realistic. Whereas on current um Polling, it looks as if the SNP will end up with at least 28 seats in Scotland rather than the six they've got now. So they'll be by far the biggest block mm. of the minority parties and will have.
3: Particularly if the Lib Dems lose half of their seats, they will go down to something like 25 Exactly. So it may
4: well be. If it, and that's on the assumption that Jim Murphy does very well and gets um, back to 35% for Labour in Scotland. Currently they're on 26. So there's a huge um, road to go there. But so the SNP are undoubtedly going to be the people who've got all the bargaining power in any um, coalition coming up and interestingly,
1: that, we, y-
0: yes I think so but um, we interviewed Alex Salmon just before Christmas and he said very explicitly he wouldn't go into coalition with Labour he would prop up a minority Labour government and possibly some kind of confidence and supply deal but he wouldn't actually formally join a coalition he'd just use the power he held over a minority government to extract as many concessions for Scotland as possible. Week, and by week by week. Week by week. And he said having run a minority administration in Scotland he knew exactly how to play the hmm. system having been on the other yeah. side of it. And he will be an incredibly canny operator at Westminster. Uh, and he will squeeze whoever's in Downing Street for all their worth.
1: Who who
3: do you fear more Matthew Barris holding that balance of power? Uh, Rachel chills me with that scenario of Alex Salmon running it but I guess you would hate the idea of Nigel Farage
2: being in that position as just as much. Oh oh, just as much uh, (laughs) absolute nightmare but uh, SNP and and UKIP are strangely very similar political forces even though one thinks of itself as on the left and the other thinks of itself as on the right. They're both basically populist They're both basically quite irresponsible and they would both use this propping up power in a minority government just to wreak havoc and mischief and to try to get whatever they could. The SNP, were it to be involved in propping up the next government in Britain, would break the union. I've no doubt about that because the English would be infuriated to see their own government being mm. uh, hobbled by this uh, by this dependence on the SNP.
3: And how dangerous is it for Labour's chances of doing well in England, Matthew, if they're having to tilt left in Scotland to deal Disastrous. with this SNP threat? It's
2: a, I really feel sorry for Ed Miliband. Uh, Scottish <laughs> Not Labour... Not a
4: sentence we've often
2: heard. <laughs> no. Scottish is a complete nightmare for him. Just think what English Labour voters would say if they felt that they had a they'd have voted for a labor government and labor mps in england and all they would got was subservience to a a, a, a lot of uh, uh, greedy and g- grasping and basically mischievous snp minorities in scotland it, w- it would be disastrous for labor and of course it could play out this side of the election if people fear
3: that there's going to be an snp yes um... labor pact the english might what, what english voters might worry about that jenny russell
4: Well, I think the news this week that um, Jim Murphy in Scotland has already said that we're going to be using the mansion tax paid for by voters in London and the southeast to pay for a thousand extra nurses in Scotland is just a foretaste of the kind Mm. of divisiveness.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. Find out more at LutonRising.org.uk
4: The Scottish elections, that the the Scottish presence is now going to bring about in English politics. Because, of course, it's always been the case that you use the richer parts of the UK to subsidise the poorer parts. Once you start phrasing it in terms of London and the South East versus the Scots, then it just makes English voters feel absolutely furious. And the people in London think, why the hell am I I I subsidising Scottish nurses? Whereas before they thought we're just all part of the UK, of course we should balance the richer areas against the poorer ones. But if that's what Scottish Labour are already saying, then I, I fear very unedifying, divisive politics over the next
3: few months. And of course, Scotland is not a poorer part of the UK anymore. The poorest parts are Wales, the northeast of England, uh, the poorer north-west to some extent. It's but sure, poorer than right. London, but They've actually, got the leverage. compared to Wales, which is the poorest part of the UK, it, Wales does not do
2: well out of the U- current spending settlement compared to It's the, the, the untold story how poor... Wales yes. is. Right, Wales is really poor and nobody talks about it.
0: Yeah. It's the issue also that of Scotland seeing itself as, as an identity of its own. So I, th- I think the other interesting factor is what happens if there is a referendum on the EU. And if um, Alex Salmond said very explicitly that if Scotland votes to stay, England votes to leave if there's a difference in that and the uk leaves on the basis of effectively english votes then it would then there would then have to be another referendum on the scottish independence Mm. and that you know it's a whole sort of can of worms once you start seeing different sections of the electorate in terms of their kind of scottish or english identity rather than their united kingdom identity you are you know there is as matthew says a sort of slippery slope to break Mm. up
3: the question I'm asked most is who's going to win the next election but there is another question (laughs) which is who would want to win (laughs) the next election because Rachel Sylvester if Matthew has written on this in one of his columns as well there's a lot of interesting politics ahead in the next parliament but the Tories could be torn apart by Europe if they stay in power Labour could be torn about part by austerity. I don't think the Labour movement, the wider Labour movement, is prepared for the toughness of the spending cuts that a Labour Prime Minister would have to implement. Would any party want to win the next election (laughs) in their deep... Because I know a lot of Tories privately say this is the election to lose. Labour MPs say the same.
0: Well, I think for whoever does win is going to have a terrible, tough time. It's going to be lots of incredibly unpopular decisions and going to be, as you say, very divisive for either party. And also handling this kind of maelstrom of politics with mm. all the smaller parties, the nationalist pulls, is going to be incredibly difficult. I don't think any party can sort of go into an election campaign saying they want to lose. But I think actually, privately, I've spoken to Labour people who say they need longer really to get their act together. Um, and, And, as you say, the same for the Tories. I think there is a really tricky five years whoever is going to win.
2: Nobody seriously in politics ever really wants to lose. It's the kind of thing you say at cocktail parties, oh, this is one to lose. And, of course, if you've got a safe seat, you might not mind, but we're competitive animals, human beings. And in the end, you want to win, and you see that winning might bring you many difficulties, but you think, especially if you're the kind of character that's gone into politics you think that you may have a lucky break luck maybe on your side and hell you'll be prime minister and no one will ever be able to have taken that away from you
3: yeah a big factor of course in this parliament <coughs> is half the lib dem mps are ministers you know this is one of the <laughs> reasons why i think they've been so happy and so content and i think one of the under told stories is how well nick clark has managed his party he's rotated baubles all through his party and most people have felt mm. part of power Jenny Russell is this an election to lose
4: No I completely agree with Matthew that wielding some power is always better than wielding none If you're in government and at least you can make decisions that change things. If you're in opposition, all you can do is talk. Mm. I mean, words are very unsatisfactory compared to thinking, well, I may not be able to solve the gro- global problems of the world economic crisis or even ISIS, but I can change a school or change the direction of the health service or do something about international development. All politicians want, want to take decisions. And also, they love the, uh, the fact of red boxes and chauffeured cars yes. and all the rest of it. Of course <laughs> they do. That's why they went into it
3: hopefully it's not the only reason why they went into it for red boxes and chauffeured cars no, I but that's the joy of, of, of being
4: well. idealism sure but, and, uh, but, but they I, want to change things
3: and that's partly what I want to ask each of you about because there's a lot of um, misery about, oh my goodness, there's a four month trust <coughs> to the general election now. Everyone said, oh, we can't put up with four months of this. And it, it's fair to say that the poster campaigns that the parties have unveiled so far haven't been edifying. But I'm excited. I think this is an interesting general election. I think actually a lot's at stake. And I wondered for each of you whether there was anything being offered by each of the parties that actually excites you that you see on the agenda from them that you think i really actually want to vote for this put you on the spot first jenny
4: Well, the dismal fact about this is that
3: um, You can't be be dismal in this segment. Uh, uh, You've got to be positive.
4: Have I got to be positive? No, but the dismal fact is that there's not much that I am positive about. (laughs) I I believe in a lot of things that are in the Labour um, wish list so far, like housing and taking away the bedroom tax and more skills and more education and growing the economy. I don't, however, have much faith in their ability to deliver them. And what I'm really worried about as a Labour supporter is that um, I don't see any positive view of the economy. I don't see any enthusiasm for business for creating the jobs which Labour say they want and I think that that old um, accusation against Labour which is that they really don't understand how to create wealth is um, still unfortunately true and I think it's a great missing slice of their agenda
3: so nothing really from no I mean
4: I wish I could feel enthusiastic and so far I don't
3: not one policy pledge no I'm saying uh, no I
4: am enthusiastic about various policy pledges I just don't feel
3: name one for me housing Housing. I think
4: housing is absolutely critical. Building a great many more houses
3: and borrowing to do it.
4: Yes, because that's yeah. called investment.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree, Matthew.
2: I, I'm a conservative, and uh, like most conservatives, I can't stand the Conservative Party. It's a ghastly, <laughs> ghastly old thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could be, I could be on all day about the demerits of the Conservative Party, but I'm a Conservative... I've read one or
3: two columns where you've expressed <laughs> those
2: <laughs> yeah. But we Conservatives are mostly Conservatives because we're fairly confident that the others would absolutely wreck things, and we think that um, our ghastly old party will probably stagger on and won't do anything really stupid, and the others we think would. That's what makes me a Conservative, and so that doesn't um, embed in me any huge enthusiasm for any particular Conservative policy, except for not doing really stupid things. That's the Conservative (laughs) policy that I like. But one of... um
3: favorite my favorite columns that you've written you know over the last year was when you had a column about heseltonian big mm. visions you know you, I think you talked about hS3 hS four you talked about new city around linking Oxford and Cambridge you talked about the universal credit so actually there is a little bit more big picture optimism in you you're well, not yes. just this um, anti um, anti-change, don't let the others mess it
2: up. There is in me, Tim, that optimism but I, I don't actually see it reflected in, in any of our political parties. None,
3: none of those policies for example that you espouse in that column are in, well we don't know, what we the Tory manifest Probably
2: got HS2, I'm very keen on that. HS anything really.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, I don't think Jenny and Matthew are really doing very well. They haven't got any enthusiasm. Are you going to join them in this or sort of crowd or have you got something that you...
0: Well, I, think, I don't think I, any of the main parties have anything to excite us. I think it is too managerial and stale. But I, And I think there's a phony divisiveness that they're creating Mm. because i think there is one area that actually could really make a difference but actually there's agreement between the parties on it and none of them there's a conspiracy of silence on that agreement and it's about the nhs and social care that actually the big problem with accidents and emergency with hospitals with the pressures on the nhs isn't hospitals it's the fact that there's too many elderly people aren't being looked after properly at home Uh, you know Andy Burnham, Jeremy Hunt pretty much agree that that's the big area that needs to be reformed. There needs to be much more integration between social care and health care. But neither of them are admitting that they agree on that. They're both having this sort of ludicrous phony war about um, you know, the Tories claiming Labour would wreck the NHS because the, they'd wreck the economy. Labor claiming Tories are privatising the NHS and destroy it within five years. And actually, that's a policy that really would make a difference, that could excite people, but they're having to pretend they don't really, th- there's a consensus on it and they're having to pretend that doesn't exist when actually it's something that should really be above party politics.
3: And this is in part what they're trying to do in Scotland and have been for a while.
0: Well, on, the the, the, on the
3: NHS. On the NHS. Well they use that very care. much
0: in, uh, oh do you, yes or yeah.
3: well, certainly funding long term care. I know. Well final question which is the sort of the, the cheap bet bookies question for you at the end which we will I will hold you all to account for is who will be Prime Minister at the end of this year
2: who's going to go well it's very first. stimulating of you to ask us tim but i haven't the least idea. <laughs> <laughs> the least idea so i just go with my heart I, I i i can't imagine ed Miliband as prime minister so i'm going to say that i think the conservatives will get an absolute majority but th- that's because i can't imagine any alternative but many things that i can't imagine have happened <laughs> and this one might too I think Rachel. what's
0: fascinating is we've genuinely none of us do know no, so i mean we it's really tr- don't in a way that's why it's going to be such an exciting and fun and interesting few months probably if i absolutely had to choose i would say i think probably david cameron will be prime minister but probably not with an overall majority just because i think in the heat of an election campaign i'm not sure ed miliband will kind of sustain it mm. um uh, but, uh, you, but i don't think that's particularly deserved I don't think it's you know I just think that's possibly and the most likely, but do I may well be wrong.
3: And do you sign up to what I'm going to call the Jenny Russell theory? And just given that <laughs> Jenny Russell's in the studio with me, she can correct me if I've understood it correctly. But after the party conference season, there was a little bit of a bounce for the Conservatives in the opinion poll. And I think Jenny said, you know, a small number of voters were paying more attention to politics than they normally did. And that favoured the Conservatives because David Cameron was on the TV and Ed Miliband was on the TV. Of course, in the general election, a lot of voters are going to spend a lot of time focusing on politics and things that Perhaps we are very familiar with will actually matter in people's decision-making and that will move things towards the Conservatives. Do you think that theory holds?
0: Possibly, that's, I suppose that's, that's what I'm what saying. That's only what Tory I HQ are thinking. That, yeah, yeah, I think the danger for Tory HQ is that they push it too much and that they assume Ed Miliband is worse than he is and actually he may exceed people's expectations, particularly in the television debates if those go ahead. He yeah, may.
3: They're, they're not going to happen, I'm absolutely sure. Well that
0: that's, that's interesting. Yeah. But um, they, there's an arrogance to number 10 if they think they can get away without that.
3: Do you think so? Yeah, I, 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 I
0: think they're too arrogant. That would be their problem.
3: I just think they will take the view that they'll say, we absolutely want the debates to happen, but we must include UKIP, we must include the Greens, we must include the SNP. And knowing, of course, that those conditions will mean that Labour can't accept the debate. So I think they'll get away with it, but we will see. Jenny, Jenny Russell, who's going to be Prime Minister by the end of 2015?
4: Well, we know that the polls say it's going to be Ed Miliband, and I don't believe it. I think it's quite likely that we'll have two elections next year. and I think Next it's year or this year? Within a year. Within a year. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly, because I think we might end up with such a muddle and such a mess after the first one that we'll have a second election. And I think the chances are higher that it will be David Cameron, because he's not a politician whose policies I personally would believe in. But I think he is actually surprisingly good at looking like the leader of the country and looking very comfortable with what he's doing. And in the end, I think so much of the time when people go into the polling booths, they're thinking, do I trust this person that when the chips are down, they would make a decision that I would think somebody was really thinking about and I would feel comfortable with. And we know that Cameron polls much better than his party. And I think as politics gets increasingly presidential, a lot of people will hesitate and think, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with Ed Miliband being there when things
3: go wrong. And how, how easy is it, though, for us to have a second election? I don't really know the answer to this question, because now, of course, we have this fixed term Parliament Act that does sure make it slightly details, harder but I
4: think, think two thirds of, of, mm. um, of the Commons has to vote to overturn the Fixed Parliament Act. But I think if everything's an, all tu- an all- almighty mess and nobody can agree and everyone's holding everyone else to ransom over their red lines and all the rest of it, which is a possibility. That might well happen. You we could have a Belgian scenario. You could have scenario. a no-confidence yeah. vote, could yes, you? That
0: would vote. be the way mechanism.
4: Is, yeah. that, is that the simpler well, way yeah. of doing it? The you just prime, you, you if there's affect-
0: a no-confidence vote, you have to do something. Yes. Right. And then, But it would be you could have, a presumably, a no-confidence vote forced by the Prime Minister of the day, effectively yeah. on himself.
3: Um, so it could have, be exactly like 74 people will only again. vote for no confidence of course if they themselves think they would do well of bringing In the down the um, government and, yes. it exactly. could get very very messy indeed yeah. well i'm sure we're going to have lots of mess throughout this year and we will be around okay. to uh, cover it um but that is all we have time for today um thank you to jenny russell rachel sylvester matthew paris and my producer dave mcguire most of all thank you
2: to you for listening and we'll be back next week with the usual format goodbye Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk.